How's it going, everyone? Welcome to Fear Frequency, a weekly horror podcast. This is our 97th episode, and I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and best friend, George Frizzard. How's it going? Pretty good, man. What's up? <laughs> I left in your little tube. <laughs> the random line I write for George every week is still in there. Usually uh, it's like, I saw a horse get hit by a car. It's not like two facts about me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're pretty good. So this week we have a pretty good show lined up. We've got Joe Bob's last drive-in news, a possible Tusk revival, a new segment, and more. But before we get into that, we also have a special guest joining us for the full episode, not just an interview, Luke Rodriguez of ModernHorrors.com. How's it going, man? Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm. Uh, I just had a baby, so I'm just kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> short on sleep. Uh, you know. Long for horror, I guess you could say. <laughs> Congrats. That's, that's awesome that it all went well. I mean, the, I guess you're getting it out of the way at a good time during COVID where you're like forced to be stuck at home and you can parent your child, you know, instead of going to work or whatever. Dude, no <laughs> shit. Like we were, we got to the point to where, because everyone says it's nine months, like you have a baby in nine months. That's bullshit. It's 10 months, right? They don't count that last month. So like it's legit 10 months. And by like month, I don't know, two of quarantine, we're like, man, can we just have a baby to have someone to hang out with? Like we could just use another body, another person to speak with, another challenge or obstacle, something, anything. Uh, and yeah, it, it's working out pretty well so far. So you're the leader and owner, I guess, of Modern Horrors, right? So can you can you explain to the audience what that website is? I'm sure they've heard of it because we brought you up a lot on the show. But oh, cool, yeah. Um, so we we started back me and my buddy Jacob. Uh, you know, just kind of like you uh, guys are best friends, long life friends. Probably been talking about movies for a very very long time together. I think we all kind of have that person. So my person was Jacob Hopkins. Back in 2014, we started ModernHars.com, and really we just thought it would be cool one day to like, I don't know, get a movie early, right? Like that was like the the pinnacle of what like the best possible case scenario could be if we could get one movie sent in advance for free. That would be really cool because I remember like reading all of these reviews all the time through all these different websites and like I would either disagree with them or like I wouldn't even be able to see the movie that they're talking about because it's all these festival things that are getting hyped up years before they come out to for normal people to see. So I was like, fuck being a normal person. Let's make a website. Let's get these <laughs> movies. Let's 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 just uh, game the system. So here we are five years later. Uh, we consider ourselves to be like a quote unquote curated source of news and and shit, you know, um, we're not necessarily the most uh, academic like, I don't know, man, I feel like these days to have a horror website to have a podcast, you have to be a fucking academic and have your PhD in terror <laughs> or some shit. And that's just yeah. not what we are. That's why I like you guys is I just like hearing normal people have conversations. Uh, and that's what we do both on the podcast is what we try to do in our writing on the website. Uh, yeah, Modern Horrors. Yeah, that's kind of how we do it, too. And that's pretty much why we started the podcast, just to get screeners. I was already getting them through my <laughs> YouTube channel, but then I sort of shifted it over to be more about just Halloween. So I was getting all these screeners and not really doing anything with them. So then we transitioned it to the podcast. And now George finally has his own screeners, which is great. It's very nice that we each get our own. <laughs> so he doesn't have to, like type in my email and i have to google <laughs> authenticate it that's really exciting and you helped us get on shutter's list which was very kind of you that was awesome i really appreciate that i'm sure george does too yeah definitely oh, yeah. no worries no worries i mean at the end of the day i don't feel comfortable when people say like critic or like journalist like i'm not a fucking journalist like in any way shape or form so if i can just be the guy that helps out other people get like other free shit like i'm, I'm cool being that guy that's all i need yeah that's like that's pretty much how we want the horror industry to be. We want to bring the fun back into it, not be depressed when we watch a movie. That's like a <laughs> big thing for us. But 
Yeah, so speaking of fun things, George, we finally have a new iTunes review. Since last September, we haven't had a new one, but you guys listened. You left us a nice five-star review, so you get to hear George read it with his beautiful voice. (laughs) All right, uh, so we got a, like you said, a new review from Jake Damien, who said, Just finding this show a bit late, but binging it is the best way to get through quarantine. A great show with genuine hosts that tackle movies and games. I like hearing some different points of views, and these two respect each other's more than worth subscribing to. So thank you, Jake. Yeah, that's a really good review. I really appreciate it. You leave us a review like that, we'll read it on the show. So there's an incentive there. It's not a huge incentive, I want to be honest, but (laughs) it's fun to hear George read your review, right? Like, I think so. I mean, that's just how I feel. But George and Luke, I guess, do you guys hear Dr. Loomis screaming? Pretend like you hear Dr. Loomis screaming. (laughs) I, I think I do. I think I, fuck yes, I do. His last words ever uttered on screen from the end of Halloween 6. Donald Pleasance's last words uttered on film are being resonated through all of our respective offices. That means we have a <laughs> Halloween alert. So this week, it's not nothing about the movies. Trick or Treat Studios is coming out with some Michael Myers figures that have little clothes and stuff. They're basically dolls, but you can't call them dolls because we're dudes. So we've got an H11, an H4, H5, and H2018, and they range between $120 and $180. The H1 version comes out uh, in October, and every single other one comes out in December, which seems like an extremely huge missed opportunity to me. Justin Mabry, who also sculpted the mask, he's like the lead sculptor, sculptor at Tots. He sculpted the 2018 mask. He also sculpted these toys. And boy, do I want all of them. They all look amazing. Have you guys seen these? I could have put the link in here. I saw that extremely expensive one you tweeted the other day, but I haven't seen these. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the sculpt looks amazing. It looks like very cool. I just, they are, they are definitely expensive for what they are. I don't, they're, they're like out of my price range, all of them kind of a little bit, but I really want the Halloween one version. I would never go in on the meme with Halloween four and five, especially since those are like $40 more expensive for some reason. What is like your, 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 where do you bow out on collectibles like that? Like, I mean, is 120 bucks too much? Is 60 bucks too much? Like what's the sweet spot? What are are you willing to do for something new collectible wise? Any new NECA toy that comes out, I'm there day one because those are usually like 30 bucks. And that's, like the perfect amount of money that I feel comfortable just dropping on a whim. But like $120 for something that's just going to sit like behind me in a video. I don't know. That's a little, that's a little steep. We got to be real. Cause that's what I paid to get my mask rehauled. And I feel like there was value there because I'm going to use the mask. I'm going to show it in videos. It's big, but like you can't really see a doll standing behind me. Like, it's not going to make a difference that it's a really high-quality one versus the NECA one. Uh, I think the most I've dropped is 120 for my 12-inch tall Hot Toys Kylo Ren action figure with light-up lightsaber. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. <laughs> Your little car crash sign for it is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, see, I w- I'm, I'm probably going to get this Halloween 1 version just because it's, like, the best version of Michael. It's kind of, like, where it all started, and I can just look at it, I guess. I- are you interested in this stuff? Do you collect any of it, Luke? I, I personally don't, but my older brother is the largest toy collector I know. He owns a website. They go to Toy Fair and Toy Con and all that shit. He's always Damn, sending me okay. pictures of the NECA stuff. Yeah, he was actually in town uh, to meet my daughter uh, like over this past weekend, and we were on like a pilgrimage going from like Target to Target to try to find like a specific <laughs> predator, uh, and we ended up finding it. But yeah, he's he's really into this stuff. I actually saw some of the Halloween 
I saw a Halloween one. I saw a bunch of Friday the 13th ones at Target as well. They look really cool. Like, I don't, I don't have, like, you can see my stuff behind me. I don't have shelves and stuff. Uh, I, if I yeah. had, like, a set and, like, I did the YouTube thing, I probably would have more of that kind of stuff. Um, I just, it's just not, not me. But I get it. And they look cool. Yeah, this is my office and I have shelves and stuff. So that's why all this stuff's in here. But the rest of my apartment, there's really not that much stuff. I mean, George, you're single, living alone. You have this <laughs> massive house. You can do whatever you want. I could dedicate a whole room to just toys if I wanted to. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> the VR room should now be the toy room. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a toy room kind of, right? If you're just using yeah. it for VR. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, these things are a little expensive. I just figured I'd let you guys know because everyone always gets back to me when I talk about the Halloween toys because there's there's not a lot of marketing on this stuff usually. So the, the time people hear about it is generally after it's sold out. So we try and stay on top of that. And speaking of Halloween, though, let's talk about the Joe Bob Halloween special that I accidentally announced yesterday. <laughs> what, what did, what? I thought I was going to die. I thought Shudder was going to kill me right after Luke gets me on their press list. <laughs> it, it was a whole it was a whole thing. So I got an email that Shudder was raising my price from $4.99 a month to $5.99 a month. And I tweeted out some dumb thing like, if your first instinct when you get a price raise email is like, yeah, that's fair. They're probably doing something right, which I generally feel like about Shutter, And they let me keep that $4.99 price for an extra year the last time they raised the price. So I feel like they're warranted. I also feel like 6 bucks a month is too cheap for what they offer. Right? Yeah. So I tweeted this out. And then people start responding to me. They're like, hey, that image says that there's going to be a Joe Bob Halloween special. Oh, and I was like, oh, they're probably talking about last year's because they did one last year and like... Joe Bob got COVID and didn't say anything. And I just felt like the summer sleepover, which we'll talk about in a minute, was the end of it. But uh, Darcy retweeted me and said, well, cat's out of the bag. Uh, we weren't supposed to announce this, but I feel like it's fair game now. And I was like, oh, no. I thought I like announced something that wasn't real, like wasn't a thing yet. But it turns out Shutter just sent out an automated email too early because a lot of other people got them. But it was a really scary, like, three minutes. Yeah. Well, I didn't... So I got that same email, but I... And honestly, I was like... I saw your tweet. I think we retweeted it, and I, I didn't even pay attention to the picture or anything. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, Shutter's cool. Right. The price hike is justifiable. I never thought in a million years. Was, did the email have, like, an embargo or anything on it? Or, I mean, they, they typically don't. No, it was, it was literally just Shutter telling me they were going to raise my price. Yeah. Which I guess they sent it out to everyone. And I saw Nicolas Cage from In Color Out of Space. That's an old movie. I saw the Creep Show guy, and I was like, "Oh, season two's announced already, and that show's like a year old at this point." Then I saw Joe Bob, and it's the same art that they use all the time. So I was like, "Oh, they're just telling me they're like justifying the price increase based on the fact that they have originals now." That makes sense. I'm gonna tweet it out. Yeah, you're but, in the clear there, man. You're in the clear. Yeah, yeah. Darcy DM me and was like. Thanks for announcing that. Like, we were waiting for it. And I was like, oh, you're welcome. Thanks for doing it. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Thanks for announcing it. I was like, I'm so excited because I was, again, totally positive we weren't going to have anything after the summer sleepover. But uh, I'm glad they're doing a Halloween uh, special because it'll probably be Halloween 3 finally, which I, do you watch uh, The Last Drive-In, Luke? Every once in a while. I'm not one of those religious, like, uh, make a plan an evening around it kind of thing. Uh, but I do. I love watching them every time it's there. I know Joe Bob can be a, 
a lightning rod, you know, in the in the community. Like I feel like every time he does one, like it's always an event, then people always get mad, and then it's like another event that spawns off of that, and then everyone <laughs> forgets but and gets excited again by the time the next one comes around. Uh, so I enjoy that part of it, even if I never see the thing. You basically just summarized the last three months of our show, what we've been talking about pretty much. But George and I and our friends, uh, Grayson and Ethan, who are mods in our Discord server, we watch it pretty religiously over Discord, and we get absolutely plastered. It's like our been our quarantine tradition, and uh, we hadn't done it for a while. And so George and I were the only ones around uh, this past weekend because Ethan lives in North Carolina, and there was like a hurricane or some shit that knocked out his power. Wow. <laughs> so George and I... Slammed a bunch of beers, watched the summer sleepover, and I gotta say, this this was one of my favorite Joe Bob episodes of all time. They brought on Adam Green, then he brought on uh, Felissa Rose, then she brought on Tiffany Sheppis, the, then uh, she brought on Q from Impractical Jokers, and they all just talked about Victor Crowley, which and is Kane Hodder a great was there. movie. Oh yeah, and Kane Hodder, of course, was there. And it was just awesome. It kind of like embodied what the show is. All these people who are just self-starters get their own funding and they're going to make a movie whether or not they have the money for it. They're just going to make it. It was kind of like perfectly in check with what The Last Drive-In is. Are you a big Adam Green fan at all? Huge. Yeah. Um, I really like the Hatchet movies. Uh, I have a signed uh, Digging Up the Marrow like print in my theater in the next room over. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm a big fan. Frozen, big on that. Uh, a movie called Spiral, I think he wrote that. It's kind of like a different yep. kind of Adam Green movie, but super fucking dope too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. So I love all of his stuff, but I just never connected it all to his name. And then I started binging the movie crit podcast because i wanted to listen to the episode with the pierce brothers who directed the wretched and because i was like this will be perfect yeah. to hear them talking to adam green so i bought into their patreon and i was like well i'm paying for it i better start listening and i'm just like addicted to it and then it worked out perfect where he's going on the last drive-in showing off victor crowley and then uh we also talked to joe lynch in the sixth episode of our show about mayhem. And I was like, Oh, all these dots kind of connected in my head. Yeah. He's like, honestly, one of my favorite filmmakers. And I just never really knew it. The digging up the marrow is amazing. I just watched it. It was on Hulu. Um, he's just, he's such a nice guy and he's such a, like an emotional guy. He's all into <laughs> animals and stuff. It's like, you see the movies he makes where there's always heart and humor on top of insane gore. And you can, and then you look at him and you're like, Oh yeah, th this is the guy who's making those movies. It all just kind of makes sense yeah. to me. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're big fans of him. It was really cool hearing him talk about, um, Victor Crowley, George, you had a, like a favorite part of the live stream <laughs> with Q, right? You wanted to talk about, uh, I don't know necessarily the part with Q, but, uh, the part with Adam green, when they oh, were yeah, discussing sorry. the, the budget of the movie and Joe Bob looks at him and goes, so this move they're watching Victor Crowley goes, so this movie's budget was $6 million, right? <laughs> and Adam Green's reaction was just absolutely dumbfounded. He's like, what? $6 million? He's like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say how much we paid for it. 400000 <laughs> Which, like, yeah, if you look at Mitchell Crowley, it doesn't look like a $6.5 million movie at all. Because that's, what, like three quarters of the way to Halloween 2018? Uh, but you hear 400000 and it looks really good for being a $400,000 movie, if you ask me. Yeah, I would have I would have expected that to be more. I would have thought it was a million, you know, not six, but I would have thought they got a million. Where does he get funding? Because I know Dark Sky puts out a lot of his stuff, but they're like a distributor who picks up your movie after it's made, right? right? Yeah. Or 
Are they a production company? No, I don't know. Like, yeah, you're, you're, they're they're a distributor for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know where you got the <laughs> I don't know where you got the four grand for Victor Crowley, but having someone like uh, Brian Quinn on there was probably a huge get for him because that dude's got like over a million followers on, just on Twitter alone, and they're on. Then Practical Jokers is on every fucking TV station. Yeah, I think it's on True TV twenty four hours a day. <laughs> Legit. I just got um. Uh, have you guys used Peacock at all, like the streaming service? I downloaded it. I haven't used it at all yet because it's free, right? Yeah, it's free. And that's like, there's a, su- I mean, it's a stupid name. Yeah. But like, there's a surprising amount, amount of cool shit on there and they have entire channels. Like you can flip through and kind of channel surf in this live oh. TV guide menu kind of thing. And they have dedicated like channels to shit. Like thinking practical jokers is one of them, but like the office and like law and order oh, and cool. like shit that's on all day, every day. Now they legit have a channel for that. So yeah, it's cool. Is there any good horror movies on there? Do they have a horror channel? I don't. Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, yes. There, there's a lot of stuff on there, and it's all free. It's all because that's unedited. NBC, right? Yeah, and Universal owns the goddamn world, so there's there's right. a lot of stuff on there. <laughs> I feel like Blumhouse is going to be showing up on there a lot in the near future. They're kind of being spread around, like Prime and Hulu for some reason. Weird. Yeah, they have their also- that like dark anthology series on uh, Hulu. A lot of you mean the the audition for a Universal movie show? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what if we took a concept for a thirty minute show and made it feature length? I love it. It's so good. <laughs> Every one of them is great. Oof. That is ex- extreme sarcasm. <laughs> Have you watched any of those? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was at a point really pumped to get the screeners in advance, and like, yep. first off, the screeners came in like two forty p, so it was like impossible <laughs> to see what the fuck was going on. Um, and then like just compounding the poor resolution and audio, like they just weren't very good, man. Like you said, they were, they're almost like pitches that just got extrapolated into 90 minutes for the hell of it. And it very few of them worked from what I saw. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing a lot of the people who worked on those ending up directing stuff for Blumhouse. That's going to end up being theatrical, like feature stuff. And that's cool. I like that. I think it's a good concept, but as far as something that I'm paying for on Hulu goes, it's not. Not the best original. Like, if I think their biggest hit is definitely Puka, and that's okay. I'd give that a very solid rating. But they are dumping like four of their movies to uh, Prime in October. I guess I'm sure those were supposed to be theatrical at one point, but then they looked at the landscape of what's going on right now, and they were like, "Yeah, we'll just call it an event and drop them on Prime." I'll I'll definitely check those out. Yeah, they're doing like the Enter the Blumhouse or whatever, right? Yeah, it's it's really weird, and they seem like. I don't know. Maybe they were going to be theatrical, but they look more like, like more on the lifetime side of what Blumhouse does. Like more like the cheesier, you know. That actually gets me kind of more interested in it. Not not gonna lie, if it has like a little bit better production value than Into the Dark, but it still has that Blumhouse schlock, like that. That's the winning combo, I think. Right on. So that's it for the last drive-in. Of course, be ready for the Halloween special. I'm very excited. Next up here, the last news story we have. Kevin Smith says Tusk 2 could happen. I mostly just put this on here because I want to get your thoughts on Tusk. Uh, do you do you like Tusk? No, I don't. Man. <laughs> um, the, the thing is, I, I am a huge, huge Kevin Smith fan. Like, I've got nothing but love for the guy. Uh, I, I enjoy his entire universe, but I've yet to see anything that he did in the genre, including Red State, really, that really felt like what I would expect a Kevin Smith movie to feel like. But the first like 15, 20 minutes of Tusk, I thought I was going to get that. Like the fireside conversation that that they mm-hmm. have there, like I was chewing that stuff up. But as soon as we go like full, full Tusk, um, I, I got out of it pretty, pretty quickly. And to hear that there's a sequel coming. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm going to watch it. But, oh, my God. 
<laughs> I don't think I don't think he'll ever get this made because I, I mean obviously there's like a dedicated Tusk fan base out there of like you either love Tusk it's like one of your favorite Kevin Smith movies or you want Kevin Smith to stop making movies because he made Tusk <laughs> I feel like it's one side of the fence or the other and his whole setup for it is that Justin Long's character is gonna get unwalrist which I don't I don't know how that could happen just how he was assembled in the movie but he's gonna get unwalrist and then he's going to be the walrus maker because the guy who played the walrus maker is, is dead in real life now i guess so yeah. he's like yeah i'll just switch it up uh yeah i don't know i feel like i like tusk i i enjoyed it but i i don't think i need a sequel uh yeah i mean I'm, i kind of feel a similar way uh i mean his last movie jay and silent bob strike back was fun basically because it was just a thousand kevin smith references in one movie but I don't, I don't know. I mean, his recent track record hasn't been great. Like, I love all the old stuff, but I just, I don't know. I wouldn't be that excited to see a sequel to Tusk. That Jay and Silent Bob movie, it did really well for him because he took it on that road tour, which is what Adam Green did with Victor Crowley. Yeah. I think that's a really good way, if you have an indie movie that's not necessarily, like, feature, theatrical, worthy, you take it on the road, you, you gussy it up a little bit, have your friends come on stage, maybe bring the cast along. I feel like it's a really smart way to put the movie directly in front of the eyes of your most dedicated fans. Right. Especially when you are a director that has like a cult following like that, that's just guaranteeing like a dedicated audience basically. Yeah. I'm super upset that I didn't, I wasn't really aware of Adam green when he did the Victor Crowley one. Like we definitely <laughs> talked about it on the show. We announced it. We like got the press release. We're like, Oh yeah. Like Adam green's doing this whole tour. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Let's move on. And then we talked about Victor Crowley. We, we never thought about it again. <laughs> and now I'm like this huge fan of it. I'm like, I feel so stupid for missing out on that. I got the screener and uh, I watched it. Uh, I, th I, was I was traveling somewhere and someone that I was staying with happened to have like a big fucking like theater room. So I watched it there and uh, I, I loved every second of that one, but no, I, I didn't get to make the road show. So you also have a big theater room in your house, right? Like you've got, get the whole setup down yeah 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 um i i don't use it as much as i once did now that i have the little one but yeah I mean, it, it's it's there <laughs> do you put like baby shows up on the like youtube <laughs> like coco melon or whatever up on the the projector screen? i did this last weekend actually yeah <laughs> um can you just like plant your kid in front of it and well i mean out? my kid's too young for that but like my my older brother brought his kids to come see my new kid and uh, yeah, like he has like a fucking like a seven year old or something like that. And so he was acting all crazy, going out of control, just doing seven year old kid shit. So I popped him upstairs, turned it on. And he just said, whoa, <laughs> and we didn't see him for the rest of the weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's a good babysitter, if nothing else. So what was the process in getting that built? Did you just decide one day you're going to have a movie theater or was it like a dream of yours to always have one? Yeah. I mean, who's who doesn't have that dream, right? Like, no, no. I mean, whenever I was a kid, like I would watch Blank Check. Remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> the movie's awesome. And like there was like, he, he had like all of the TVs like in a row, like lined up like a whole bunch of like CRTs at the moment. But it took up the whole wall. And I always wanted to have a TV that took up the whole wall. So, uh, yeah, I've got that now. And it makes me happy. So is your projector <laughs> mounted or? Yeah, it's a uh, it's overhead, uh, full 4K HDR. Uh, she weighs like a thousand pounds, but uh, she's she's pretty. Jeez. That's awesome. I'm I'm really jealous. The second I move out of LA, and I, I get a house because that's what we're gonna do eventually, right? First thing I'm doing is dedicating an entire room to be a movie theater. You got to do it. I, I just I need it to happen. And, and it's not as expensive as you would might think that it would be. Like you, it, it's it's very obtainable. Yeah, like I priced it out just fucking around online and it's it's really not that bad i mean obviously the projector is expensive you sink a lot into that but 
you can kind of get a little cheap with speakers and then upgrade them later yep. and all that crap. And like the screen, obviously that that's like the cheapest part. So I made my own for like 20 bucks, man. You can buy this uh, stuff on Amazon. It's basically the material that's the backside of blackout curtains and you just stretch it over some like a wood frame, just make a box, stretch it over it, staple it, get you some velvet, make your perimeter done. Uh, it was, I had like an IMAX. It was like 230 something inches. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm going to do that. George, you should do that with your house. Yeah. I'll have to your big empty rooms. Yeah, definitely. Or the, just trick out the whole basement maybe. Yes. Oh my God. Then that would get me to move back to Michigan <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I'd be like, peace out. So that's going to wrap it up for our news section here. I want to try out something new because every week we put in like movie release date announcements and like trailer announcements. So I feel like I felt like I should break it off into its own thing. We're going to call feature programming. And I picked out a few movies that all got release dates this week or they were announced this week and they got trailers. So first up, a show a movie we've mentioned on the show before, Possessor, is coming out on October 9th. And the reason this one's noteworthy is because it's directed by David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg, uh, and it's being distributed by Neon. They're a great distributor. And basically, it's about an elite corporate assassin who uses brain tech to control other people's bodies and execute high-profile targets. She then gets trapped inside a mind that threatens to obliterate her. Luke, have you seen this movie? I know this one made the like screening rounds. Yeah, it was at Sundance, too. And uh, so it was... Uh, I, I, yeah, it's technically um embargoed still right now but i mean i guess i guess fuck it like it's it's very very good it's it's fucked up man it's uh i'd be surprised i know some people were like saying like maybe they're trying to hold out to get like a theatrical release i don't think this movie could get a theatrical release honestly like i don't think they could make an r cut of this but they could but it would be shitty oh wait so it's nc-17 or it would be nc-17 and it's currently i would think it would have to be uh, yeah that gets me like a thousand percent more interested in it <laughs> somehow than i already was i watched the trailer for this we talked about it a couple weeks ago it looks really good and yeah like the january to october gap that's not that big for a sundance movie like that that kind of makes sense to me and i think it's neon that's putting it out too so they do i mean assassination nation revenge like they they do some pretty you know gnarly flicks yeah i'm just interested in what Brandon Cronenberg has to bring to the table. Cause he did that one other movie antiviral, I think it's called, which I really liked. I think it's good, but I really want to see him do something great. And everything I've heard about this kind of lends me to believe that, yeah, this is like his big coming out party. So I'm glad that it's something I can watch at home. I'm kind of upset that I wish I could see it in a theater, to be honest, like neon is owned by Alamo as far as I know. So they could, they would probably end up showing it anyway. Uh, yeah. And I actually got an, I got an email from Alamo today that they're opening back up. So that would be cool. I mean, if you have obliterate in the tagline, I'm pretty much sold. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm definitely going to check this out. Uh, this, this little blurb here is a Jimmy champagne original. I <laughs> heavily condensed their log line. So thank you for complimenting me backhandedly. Uh, I am really excited for it as well. Next up here, though, I'm I'm honestly way more excited for this one because uh, my friend made it. It's called They Live Inside Us, and it comes out October 6th, finally. So back in episode 26 of the show, George and I talked about an anthology movie uh, called The Witching Season, directed by Michael Bailiff. And it turned out that our favorite short from that anthology was being turned into a feature. And he's been basically working on it since what like 2017 and it's finally coming out and the quick uh, description is a nostalgia fueled or no the quick description is a man takes his daughter to spend halloween in a haunted house to find inspiration on his new writing project he quickly realizes that he's living in his own horror story so michael has a channel called witching season 
And the reason I found him is because he basically made an hour-long version of the intro to Halloween 4 mm. and then spun that into an anthology movie that's pretty good. But he's got he's got the Halloween atmosphere nailed in everything he makes. And this movie just looks like he's taking that really nice aesthetic that he's built up over the years, like his mastery of lighting and just making everything look nice and marrying it with a plot that's you know, fleshed out and feature length. So I'm really excited for this one. Yeah. So it sounded really familiar whenever you said it just a second ago, and I couldn't think of why, but uh, I think I got an email about it recently, but I didn't make the connection to the witching season YouTube channel because I was talking about me, uh, me and Jacob talked about those guys. Yes. I can't remember. Maybe we had them on the show at some point. I, I don't, I don't know. I feel really bad for ignoring this email now because I didn't know it was that those, those people, <laughs> but you're right. Uh, they absolutely nailed that Halloween spirit in everything they do kind of in the same way. Uh, you guys know Josh hasty filmmaker. He did. Yes. Uh, like honey spider uh, candy corn. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Candy corn. I didn't love the movies necessarily, but he can nail that spirit every single time. And uh, these, these guys are the same way. So I'm, I'm actually really, really excited for that now. That's exactly what we said about Candy Corn. It like got the fall vibe down. The atmosphere was right. It was just everything else didn't really work out all that well. But They Live Inside Us in the anthology, it had a great plot. I remember, George, you picked that one out. That was you saying uh, it should be a feature. And then we found it a few months later. So you were right on the money with that. Yeah, happy to be right on that one. I, I like that uh, anthology movie quite a bit. I thought that was, you know, cool, interesting. I like the, the setting and all that. So I'm happy to see, you know, basically more come from that same team. I'll definitely check this out. Yeah, the vibe I got from the trailer is that it's going to be like the guys writing an anthology book, ironically, nice. in the movie. And so we're going to see a bunch of different types of stories. They have like a slasher who wears that, you know, that Bastille classic cat mask he's like a slasher villain there's going to be a part that takes place at a fall harvest festival which like that's that's the perfect thing for him to have a movie have a setting in it's just like that's where he's going to excel i really think and he's shooting in utah obviously which is where halloween 4 filmed that's a big inspiration for him and i will have an exclusive clip on my youtube channel in the beginning of october so keep an eye out for that I was like, hey, do you, you want me to show a clip? And then, Luke, I sent him my uh, video I did on uh, Three from Hell where I put your God Country trailer in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, this worked out pretty well, I think. Yeah, yeah, it did, man. Thanks again for that, by the way. It's been a while. It's been like fucking years, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, before we get on to the next movie, what's going on with God Country? So that's your, it's a feature you're producing? Uh, yeah, uh, we started production on it uh, in 2018, I think it was. Uh, got a lot of the filming knocked out. Um, then we, we kind of had a problem with one of our locations, so we're going to have to go back and do some reshoots this past April. That's right when COVID and everything oh, started hitting and everything. So we uh, I've kind of taken that time since then to retool a lot of stuff in the script, and the movie is so much better now. Um, it's it's like... Oh, are you writing it? Um, so yeah, it's basically me and my buddy Jake Parker, uh, who used to be... He kind of comes on the podcast every once in a while with me. Uh, but yeah, he was directing it. We kind of wrote it for the story together. But honestly, like we're just not can't write a good movie, man. We could we we were writing a movie that we wanted to see, like it would have been a good movie. Uh, but then we had a, a friend of ours, a mutual friend named Matt Lauder. He came in and and really just overhauled the script uh, during quarantine because we just didn't have anything else to do, and we we're going to be reshooting the shit anyway. Uh, and now it yeah. has gotten such a more authentic and fucking scary voice. 
Uh, and I think it might be the first like conversion therapy horror movie, maybe. So oh, really? I think that's going to be a hot topic for some. <laughs> I mean, that's what you got to do. You got to swing for the fences with a smaller feature like that. Like that's what's going to get you written up. Yeah. Yeah. So we're swinging. Unfortunately, Michael Graves, we had Michael Graves, uh, the ex-singer of the Misfits. He was in the movie. And uh, did I ever, did I share you the scene? I, I forget who I said. Okay. So you, you've seen the scene, right? We have to fucking pull it, man, because Michael Graves went full racist. So now we have to re we have to recast oh, him. No. <laughs> we have to reshoot everything because he's out here hashtagging Proud Boys and shit. And like, oh my I, god, we can't do that, man. We can't do that. So now, uh, not only did I get to work with Michael Graves, I get to fire Michael Graves. So that's pretty cool. That's such a good thing to put on your like resume. And yeah, uh, there's a lot of movies. Like, there's one that came out earlier this year. I think it was called It had Green in it or something. Like, I, I forget what it was, but it had that dude who was linked to the Sinistate thing in some mm. way. I guess he's like a real rapist or something like that. And the horror collective just took his name off of the movie and ended up putting it out anyway. And that was, they got, you know, taken a task for that. So I feel like going back and reshooting stuff when things like that happen, is just, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, way. it's not gonna, the, the only silver lining was like his character in the movie was a, like a bigot piece of shit. So like, maybe we could leave it in that way, but like, Nah, even so, like I don't want people to be like, ah, well, they paid him. He was in it. So we're just going to reshoot it. Just another thing we have to reshoot. Um, and it just takes time. Like People ask about it a lot. It's been almost two years at this point. Uh, movies take a long time. Like uh, It takes a long time to make a bad movie. It takes a longer time to make a good movie. So uh, we're still working on it. Yeah, and thankfully that trailer that you sent me for it, that little teaser footage, that was all just like environmental stuff that was showing off really the vibe of the movie, I think. Yeah. And you guys with the with the gore in that just that little short bit you you really killed it i i was honestly impressed with that like it didn't look like an indie feature i like lumpy blood like it doesn't make a lot of sense but i like my blood to be lumpy like i feel like if there's like some elute like some some uh, semblance of like clotting like in, for some reason yeah. that just makes it dirtier to me i like that i think i mentioned that that i really liked it and I, now that i've seen three from hell it really fit in with the vibe of that movie <laughs> nice, so nice. you know i linked them together well <laughs> so uh the footage from looping back here the footage from they live inside us i'm gonna pair up with a revisit of halloween 4 just because what i reviewed all the movies when 2018 was coming out but that was like really when i learned how to edit and i went back and watched some of them and i'm just like so disappointed in them now like all these years later that i'm like all right gotta put in the work to do it right so that's where i'm gonna put that exclusive clip if you guys are viewers you'll be able to check that out soon and then the last movie i put on here i this was not on my radar at all and then i saw the trailer for it and then i realized it's a shutter movie it's called scare me and it's a two-person movie that's set in a cabin in the woods it's josh rubin's i guess directorial debut and it's him and anya cash starring together and they're trying to scare the shit out of each other but the, it turns out that the things they come up with actually become real and it, again it's a shutter original it's coming out october 1st I, have you seen this one luke because this was also a festival darling i guess uh no i haven't caught this one i i, I got the email about it I haven't even watched the trailer just yet but i'm a, I'm a big fan of single location small cast like horror movies like I, I like the minimal nature whenever whenever it setups like that so that that excites me if nothing else george had you heard of this one no this uh hasn't been on my radar at all i like the premise though i mean that sounds really cool you know two people cabin in the woods greatest nightmares coming to life that all seems like it clicks for me 
Yeah, when I started watching the trailer and I, I kind of got the vibe of what kind of movie it was going to be, like a really witty, sharply written, you know, dialogue heavy back and forth type deal. I was like, all right, I kind of know what this is. And then they have a monster show up in the trailer and it's practically done and it looks amazing. Nice. I was like, all right, that's what I wanted to see in something <laughs> like this. Like you got to commit on both fronts with me for a horror movie. So we don't have to wait long to check it out. It'll be out on Shutter October 1st. And that wraps up the first ever future programming segment now we're going to get into the movie section and we have two to talk about this week first up we're going to go over shutter's new thursday release random acts of violence and after that we have luke's pick 2015's gravy uh which was a wild fucking movie you really (laughs) picked a good one (laughs) so starting out here we have random acts of violence it's directed by jay baruchel and it's a movie based on a comic book about a real life serial killer in the world of the comic who then turns into a comic character called slasher man and the writer is coming up on the last issue so him his agent and his girlfriend and the writer's girlfriend they all go on a road trip and then when they're on the road trip the the murders start happening from the comic book and i this movie wasn't even on my radar and then we got the screener i'm just gonna come right on and say it i really like this movie I thought it was great. Uh, I guess, Luke, you can start. What, what did you think of it? Uh, so I, this one d- was on my radar. We talked about it on the Modern Horrors podcast for a little bit, and I thought it looked kind of bad. Like, I, I thought the, the I don't know, the cinematography looked kind of weird uh, and, yeah. and cheap, and, like, I couldn't tell. Like, it didn't look like it was the best camera on the world or anything like that. And I'm, I'm a fickle bastard about stuff like that. So it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And the trailer just wasn't very interesting. Um, I mean, I thought the concept was interesting, but the trailer didn't really do anything to, to sell me on the idea. Um, but I got the screener to it and then and I, I kind of forgot about it. And then you mentioned that we we're talking about it on the show tonight. So I, I fired it up and uh, I'm going to take my foot out of my mouth. Uh, this movie kicks ass, <laughs> man. Uh, the, the, the cinematography is kind of weird. Like there's a lot of like crazy, like long takes and goofy angles and shit like that. But it all works so, so well. And like maybe... I don't know. There, there's like some aesthetic things that maybe I would have liked to have seen differently, but it's not my fucking movie. That's all like a, a preference kind of thing. Right. Like when it comes to the stuff that matters, like the story, the execution, the characters, the dialogue, like all of that stuff was fantastic. And it was way more intense than I expected it to be like that first kill scene. I don't think we do spoilers here. Right. For this one, uh, we, we, we shouldn't spoil yeah. it because it comes out <laughs> that's, this week. Fuck. Yeah. That's a fair. Um, <laughs> but that, the, the first thing that happens is like, pretty intense uh uh-huh. I, I was i was super impressed by it's not that this is a gore fest or and i don't even know if it plays by like traditional slasher rules which is interesting for a movie that is kind of shadowing a, a, a slasher comic i'm not even sure it plays by those slasher rules but it it almost feels more like the vibe of like like is the hills have eyes remake a slasher like probably not but there's a big body count and like gnarly shit happening all the time that's such a good connection that's an awesome connection because that's the the kills. I, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't really talk about specifically with the kills, but the first one is absolutely amazing. It really just sets an awesome tone. It has the exact same vibe as the Hills Have Eyes. It's just so brutal. Yeah. And where you're right, I wrote that down here that the the shot work I feel like is nothing special. I feel like they were what they're trying to do with it is make it look like a graphic novel with the framing, but the actual camera work, like the movement of the camera, isn't up to par with the framing like there, i noticed a lot of digital punch-ins mm-hmm. which is something i really don't yep. like and like i was like 
at first I wrote down it was workmanlike, just like filming what's on the page. But then once they get into a nighttime scene and the lighting turns completely green, I was like, oh, they're trying to frame it like the comic yeah. book. It's trying to be washed in color. And they just like did an okay job at it. I'd say they did okay. Not not great, not bad, but just okay. So I thought it was funny you pointed it out. Me and you are always on the same page with that stuff because I listen to your podcast and I always come down really hard on the technical <laughs> crap. And then George is more on the like emo- like the actual how the movie made him feel. So yeah, the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like I wouldn't have done it this way because like this camera is like this much money and it's so much easier to get footage with this. Yeah. So yeah, George, what did you think? Yeah, I was uh, very impressed with it. I thought it was awesome. I thought that the way that it kind of took the like modern obsession with serial killers. I mean, you know, true crime podcasts are kind of at this all time high. Everybody's talking about serial killers, you know, true crime books are more successful than ever. And it kind of turns that like obsession on its ear um, a little heavy, heavy handedly. I mean, but I think it is a good message to put out there that like, as much as we do find it interesting or, you know, want to talk about these serial killers or learn more that there is like a victim on the other end of it. And that the, the families involved are like the real people that need to have their story told. So that, that was like kind of an interesting add-in and uh, direction for part of the movie to take. Uh, other than that, I thought that the style was really cool. Other than a few things, um, I didn't really like the like pseudo comic book rendering of certain things, certain scenes. <laughs> it looks like a bad video game. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a GameCube cel-shaded game. Right. I mean, that's like very... I don't know, like it's a stylistic choice, but I, I don't think it really looked great like in the movie. Um, but I thought it was paced really well. Really, the only thing that didn't really vibe with me was those weird like computer generated scenes. And I think that the tone of the ending is very different than the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, but but overall, I thought it was pretty awesome. I, I said we're not going to spoil it, but I really want to get into like a minor spoiler it's really a character spoiler we both wrote down uh that we don't like the whole plot line with todd the writer's girlfriend kathy Mm. who's played by jordana brewster it really just felt like i mean so her whole plot line for you guys this isn't a major spoiler in any way she's writing a book about the victims of the killer that inspired slasher man and she's also dating todd who made up slasher man so there's some melodrama between them that it just kind of felt forced to me. And the actors, Jordana Brewster, and then I wrote down his name, Jesse Williams. They don't have any chemistry, in my opinion, at all. And it really just felt like they were acting whenever they were arguing with each other. So it just kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. Did that bug either of you guys? Yeah, I mean, I, her her arc, if you want to call it that, is weird. Like her, her character, her motivation, like the fact that she's going to do the exact opposite thing that like her love interest is doing, uh, like makes me wonder like how the hell they are a thing after all this time. Because like, it's not just like a little hobby that he has, like this is his entire identity. This is his life, you know? And she's right. Basically shitting all over it and saying, you're a terrible person by saying, Hey, I'm going to make this book, use all your research and, and talk about all the victims. Um, I, I didn't get the same thing with like the chemistry and the acting and stuff there. Like I thought it was fine. Like nothing. I don't think any of the, of the acting necessarily is remarkable. It's, it's all serviceable. It all works within like this universe that's there. Um, but it's nothing like to, to write home. I didn't think that was any less okay than, than, than the rest of it. Yeah. That's definitely a fair point because usually when you see Jay Baruchel on screen, he's like ad-libbing a lot of the stuff cause it's comedic, but in this, he's playing a pretty straight, straight man type character. 
so he's definitely like reading lines and because of that i feel like you're right he doesn't come off across or come across remarkable really in any way i think uh i keep forgetting his name which is kind of antithetical <laughs> what i'm about to say but jesse williams did a good job yeah. like i he's a good he, good job at carrying the movie i believe he writes the comic and there's a scene pretty early on where he gets kind of ambushed in a radio show and i thought that was great yeah. it was just he, he did a good job bouncing back off the radio host uh, george you texted me about you kept it vague you were like one plot line i really didn't like and i'm gonna assume it is that girlfriend plot line no it was the cop plot line i thought it was oh, pretty strange man. yeah what a turd <laughs> of a cop she is man yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait can you explain this george i, w- I want to hear your grapes with the cop pot plot line so the cop plot line is really strange because essentially it is this like local sheriff is trying to turn everybody against uh, the main character and kind of like trying to frame him as if he's involved with the killings. But we as an audience know that he isn't and nobody who's in his close proximity and like stays at the same hotel with him and uses the same car that he does should ever assume that he would be involved in the killings. But she is like somehow able to turn people against him and that just did not really make any sense to me and didn't have a conclusion in the movie. So I thought that was like a really weird piece of the story that didn't really go anywhere. It's a one shot graphic novel. And I I went and skimmed some reviews from festival screenings just to see kind of what other people thought before I came into this. And a lot of people who were fans of it say they cut out like major chunks of the story like that kind of explain motivations and one of them apparently is that cop line so huh. yeah that really stood out to me i was like i, I, I kind of get where the cop is coming from on the base level because it's a small town all of these people were actually murdered and here is todd capitalizing on that making a ton of money it's like how he's built up his name and his entire career none of these people are getting any of that money and they probably think it's in pretty poor taste, which arguably it is. But beyond that, the cop adamantly trying to prove that he's the one behind it. Again, like you said, after the movie shows us that he's not, because the way that they kind of realize how the murders are going to happen is directly delivered to the main characters by the killer. And then Todd's there when that happens. So you're like, oh, it's definitely not Todd then. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was like pretty odd. Yeah, I mean, that even comes, I mean, that's not even really a story spoiler. Like that comes through in the trailer. Like there is a slasher. There is a, a physical person attacking people, killing people. And it's not that actor, you know? So it's, uh, it, I mean, I guess it could be a high tension scenario, you know, uh-huh. but, it, but it's not, you know? Yeah, but speaking of the slasher, a uh, slasher man himself, the costume here, it's, it's nothing crazy. Like it's not like trying to be iconic, I don't think, but it really does stand out to me, just the, the vibe of it. Like the big gray trench coat and a welding mask, that's something pretty original to me. And the fact that he speaks and uses guns was kind of new for a slasher villain like this because it's very... I love it, man. This is like one of the most like human and like more scary and unhinged slashers I've seen. Cause you've got your Michaels, your Jason's, your Victor's, your, your whatever that are like these just, you know, muscle like bound spirits. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And this guy is like fucking amping himself up before he's getting ready to do some stuff and like trying to get in the mood for murder. And like, that's scary. Yeah. He's just like a human murderer, yeah. which is the scariest thing. <laughs> yeah. And the sound design here, that that's where this movie really excels. Technically speaking, the sound design is 
so good. I've never heard gunshots in movies, or at least I haven't in a really long time that have as much like depth and impact as they do in this. Like you get as much impact out of the bullet hitting someone when he shoots people as you do when he when you hear the gun going off and i feel like that makes the gun a lot scarier like yep. it makes it kind of it made me jump the first time and he switches from a pistol to like straight up like an m16 and the way that whole scene is blocked is the one moment where the movie really needed to nail its camera work and it totally yeah. did it it goes into a like a, a light spoilers car crash that's blocked really well it makes sense it's it, thematically fits with the movie like it doesn't feel like it comes out of left field like in uh last week's movie we talked about texas chainsaw 3d oh. there's a car crash that happens for virtually no reason like someone just drives off the road and then like kills her friends and it doesn't fit at all but the car crash here it's like oh i would probably crash my car in that scenario which i really liked i thought that was cool yeah that that stretch of of film right there uh, really exceeds what I imagine the budget for this movie was because it feels like a cheap oh, yeah. movie, but that stretch, the sound, the, 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 the rain pouring down, like it, 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 it kind of jumps another level up, which makes me think that, uh, I mean, directorial debut, I think, but like, I mean, this guy might be good at this shit, you know? Yeah. Jay Baruchel being a great horror director. He it's a slasher movie, like through and Insane. through. I, I was not expecting that at all. He did a great job. And then, yeah, in the trailer, they show this, like, body installation. It's like an art installation, I guess, made out of dead bodies. It's called the triptych. I I thought it was really smart that they obviously had this big practical dummy monster created for the movie. They just show it enough where you can't pick it apart for not looking exactly real. And it's covered in just enough blood where it it freaks you out a little bit. And then it's off screen. I thought that was really smart on the editor's uh, part there. Uh, George, you got any final thoughts on this movie? Uh, I mean, really just a lot of praise on my end. I thought the practical effects were awesome. It's paced very well. Slasher Man as a slasher villain is awesome. Force on screen whenever he's there. Um, Few weird things with the story, but I I overlook it. Uh, Really enjoyed this one overall. Yeah, this is one I definitely rewatch. Like, I'd go back and watch it again. I'll put it in the rotation. I was kind of hoping it would be a Halloween set thing just because of the nature of what it is. It has an odd connection to Christmas. So I guess you could call it like a Christmas slasher, even though it it really doesn't kind of ever go that deep into that territory. Um, But as far as the Shutter original goes, I mean, we've seen some stinkers over the past few months. This this is definitely a high point. This is like a God tier Shutter original. Yeah, 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 for real. (laughs) It's in English. We would watch it again. It's a slasher movie. Like, how can you beat it? Uh, on Letterboxd, I am going to give it three and a half stars out of five. What are you going to give it, George? I'm going to give it a four. Luke, what would you give it if you used Letterboxd? I don't think you do. I don't. I don't. But if I did, I'd probably be leaning closer to four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you guys need something to watch on Shutter this week, uh, this is definitely the movie to check out. And great timing for them to release it, too, because I think a lot of people hopped on that free trial to watch yep. Host. And they're probably looking at the service like, what the hell do I watch next? This is a good good thing to watch next. Uh, so next up, we have Luke's pick, Gravy, which is directed by James Rode. Rode? 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 Rode. Came on 20... 20- I like Rodé. Rodé. Uh, his, la- <laughs> his last name is Rodriguez. He goes by his first name and middle name. It's the guy from Psych. And it came out in 2015. And I just thought it was interesting that this one was distributed by uh, Scream Factory. You don't see them 
taking it upon themselves to distribute distribute a movie and the way i'm going to describe it is basically if film twitter made cheap thrills luke why did you pick this movie <laughs> man so the the one thing that you asked me to come up with was a halloweeny kind of movie uh, and I didn't want to say, you know, anything in a Halloween universe, anything in the, you know, trick or treat related. Uh, I didn't want to have a layup here. And I, I actually, I don't think I've ever met a person that has actually seen gravy before, um, <laughs> which is crazy because like, it's a somewhat, like you said, the guy from psych is the, is the director. You've got some pretty big actors in, in there as well. Uh, it looks like it's got a reasonable budget behind it. There's crazy practical effects. It's fucking goofy and zany uh not only does it work as a halloween movie but it's one of the few horror slash genre movies that can actually pull double duty i think for halloween and thanksgiving yeah that is so weird so it's called gravy which <laughs> immediately puts thanksgiving in your head right it takes place on halloween and then it kind of skips forward towards the end and then completely misses thanksgiving yeah. and goes straight to christmas which <laughs> i was like is that an intentional joke and then i was like wait did i just watch the movie of course that was an intentional <laughs> joke this movie okay i liked it a lot i i went from a three and a half star about halfway through down to a three star i was like this is very good approaching great mainly because the writing it, the the dialogue specifically and the humor is so on point like I think it could use a little more like action and George will talk about this in a minute, but I really can't fault it for that because whenever these actors are on screen, everyone is giving it their all. And just like there's, there's joke after joke. You have to really be paying attention. I, I wrote down like so many, I ended up cutting most of them out, but there's just great lines. Like, uh, like, yeah, we're going to clown around. And then, uh, one of the characters, her whole vibe is that she's racist. And then <laughs> The guy throws back and he's like, you got mongoloid on standby? That made me laugh out loud. I was dying. I think one of my favorite ones is, that is the dirtiest pussy yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a good one. There's like, the close-up on uh, the camel toe is great. There's so many just like jokes you can miss, but if you miss them, it's a detriment to you because they're actually funny. And that's what really stood out to me. Jimmy Smith is having like the best time of his life yep. in this movie, just delivering every line. He plays this little like... Pied Piper type character, I guess, like Peter Pan. And that's like the perfect Halloween costume for a character like his. You've got Michael Weston kind of channeling Charlie Day and doing a good job of it. Sarah Silverman, I don't think this is stepping too far out of line, plays like a developmentally disabled woman. <laughs> like, it's just like this movie. Is that not like a perfect is, is like opening a, scene, though, between those two people? Oh, like, yeah, I did amazing. love the opening a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah, George, George, that's what you texted me. So you really like the opening? Yeah, I'm a huge. I like Sarah Silverman a lot. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and you know what? The gore is really good. I like the weapon of choice for Jimmy Smith's being a fucking loaded shish kebab <laughs> that he managed to impale people with. And. George, you, you told me you really liked when Precious gets her throat bit out. Yeah. Or, or just her voice box. I was like, is she dead? And then, no, she's nope. just alive. Yeah. No, she's, she hangs around for quite a bit after she gets her voice box eaten out. But It's so good. Uh, that scene was awesome with, like, the squib just blasting blood yeah. out of her throat and everybody's, like, terrified around her. <laughs> there's great squib use in this movie. I also wrote that down. So there's a part where someone gets stabbed directly through the heart with a broken glass bottle and the blood shoots out the neck of the bottle. I've never seen that in a movie. 
And I was like, who thinks of that? Like that that's what that's what I needed. That that brought me so much joy seeing the blood come out of the neck of the bottle. It doesn't squirt in a comedic way. It just like kind of flows out as it, as it would if a heart was beating on the other end of that bottle. Like that's good gore. There's a, a quick flash shot you get of a uh, Precious. I, I just can't pronounce her it's name, tough. so I'm it's calling tough. her Precious. <laughs> you get her deconstructed from about halfway down and that someone Someone deserves to win like an art award for that. I don't know what Did you it see is, who worked on the effects that, that was on like this. Modern art. No, okay. So who worked on the effects? I was going to ask you that. So this guy named Greg Nicotero. Okay, oh so it all makes sense why the gore is so good. Yeah, he absolutely killed. And by it. the way, what the fuck is Greg Nicotero doing working on this movie? Like, what? It does none of this yeah. shit makes sense. None of it does. So where did you find this? Did you did you like get a screener? No, or? dude, I found it browsing through Tubby or Tubi or whatever the hell that app is. It was the free movie app. Yeah, that it, it looked weird. I thought it was Charlie Day on the front of it, and I was like, oh shit, I've never heard of this before. Let's put it on. And uh, yeah, I, like like George was saying a second ago, but the, the the opening scene is just so sweet and magical, and like it, you you'll be in <laughs> probably by that opening scene before anything gory or horrory or anything happens. Just like the 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 vibe of the movie that it, it presents itself in, the light that it presents itself in is uh, just it, it's impossible not to love immediately. All right, so what are some other like really standout moments for you? Did you revisit it for the show, or are you just? I'm flying mostly off memory. I put it back on last night at like two in the morning when the when the kid was was awake. Um, but I actually went back and I bought it on iTunes uh, because I want it. Uh, I, I like it enough. I'm gonna recommend it. I feel like you should own it, right? Um, so I, I went back and watched it. And one of the first thing that hits me is like the title screen has this smooth jazz playing over it with like some music that you would think you would hear in like Bob's Burgers or something. Like everything about this movie is so goddamn weird, man. And that's why I like it. It almost reminds me of like the vibe of like Murder Party or something like that, but even kookier and zanier. The soundtrack in this movie does so much heavy lifting. I Yes. You can use Siri to like tell you what songs are playing. Uh, I don't know if everyone probably knows that, but I used it at least four times in this movie and added stuff to my like yeah. favorite rotation playlist. I was like, this is so good. And it's got a great mix of like older music and modern music and everything in between. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I think that this movie excels in everything that we, some of the darkness didn't do. Like it has all the elements that that movie failed in where it's like a fun plot. There's like actual character relationships that you kind of like grow to love as you watch the movie uh it's got a great soundtrack and those are like all the things i was expecting to see in we saw in the darkness but never got any of that and this like nails it without even trying we caught some shit for not liking we saw in the darkness luke it was like it was a little bit of drama on the fear frequency podcast <laughs> no shit i still haven't seen it by the way it's really oh, bad <laughs> <laughs> we went in fully expecting to love it just based on yeah. who's in it who it's coming from, what the concept is. And like, it takes place in the eighties and it's supposed to be about three people who listen to metal music. There's no metal music in the entire movie. You get a quarter of a metal song and it's like a stock track. Because that and shit like a live is concert. expensive. So like, how did gravy yeah, pull this off? Fucking gravy. Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Gravy yeah. <laughs> is, is, is a very similar movie. It's a single location movie with a lot of character actors pulling a lot of the weight based on like the script which I'm sure a lot of the jokes in this were ad lib because they're so snappy and just witty. It's like, God damn, they're so good. <laughs> a lot of comedians here. You've got good actors and we summon darkness and it feels like they're just re like, it feels like someone's got a teleprompter in front of them. Like it feels like they're just reading the lines and that's a bummer. 
so coming off of that onto this, I was like, ah, this is like a breath of fresh air. It's like, <laughs> this is what I wanted. And George brought that up. And I was like, yes, this movie gets it. And it, it knows how to make up for what it doesn't do right. On the technical side, I got to come down on it a little bit for the fact that half, at least half of the characters, their audio peaks yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think I've seen that in like a feature movie in a long time, <laughs> especially uh, Precious. Every time she like opens her mouth to talk, it, it's hot. it uh, clips her audio. Yeah. But it kind of works for her character. And that, that made the whole getting her uh, voice box bitten out. It was like, oh, it's a little bit meta because I was getting annoyed at the fact that her audio is blowing out my speaker. And then they're like, no, we got you. We're going to just rip out her voice box. <laughs> <laughs> that was just like so good. Uh the one thing, the one character people take a lot of umbrage with is the cat character, but I really liked her. I thought she was mean spirited in the right way. Yeah. Just how she's the one who's committed to the the bit, no matter what. And she's supposed to be kind of annoying, right? And like be kind of a wedge in between the two dudes that are there. So, and, and she serves that purpose well. I like honestly, the only thing I'd really change about it is just cutting down the second act yeah. a little bit. I feel like it was trying really hard to hit that ninety minute runtime, but. I feel like there's a much better like hour and 10 minute movie in here. Uh, just cutting out, like giving a few of the jokes more time to breathe and focusing a bit more on, well, George, I'll let you talk about that. You, you like the elimination game. So I'll let you talk about that. So you wanted to focus more on that, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that my biggest gripe with it was whenever they would bring up the elimination games, I thought that was like a really cool piece of the plot that they were like actively having to compete for like, who's going to be the next person to get eaten. Yeah. And uh like and they were they're also like pretty fun and like inventive with the smell my feet challenge and that kind of thing. <laughs> so like I wish there was more stuff like that in the movie or like follow through on them setting up like a game that the people had to compete in and then there would be like a consequence if they didn't do it instead of just being like, Oh, no one wanted to eat the disgusting foot and then just like moving on to the next scene. Like I wish they would have like forced <laughs> them into it or had more <laughs> scenes involving those like weird challenges to to compete for your life. Like I thought that was like an interesting part of the story that they could have focused more on. Also, if this movie came out this year, I think it would play, I think everyone would be talking about it just based on who's in it. Cause Jimmy Smith's obviously he's coming off of Westworld. He's like a household name now. And then you've got Gabriel Luna who's in the new Terminator movie. And he's amazing. He's hilarious in this. It's just like, now that I have the context of what these actors have done since 2015, it was so much better seeing them in this movie being completely different than I've ever yeah. seen them. I think that's what really made it work for me. And it gets major bonus points for making every character have a original Halloween costume. You never see that in movies that are set on Halloween. Like every character, even if it is like a football player or a cat. Yeah. Dumb shit because people have dumb Halloween costumes. Yeah. Right. Like simple stuff. If you have to dress up at work, which is what a lot of these people are doing at a Mexican restaurant. It's like, oh yeah, it's really easy to grab your brother's football. Yeah, uniform, yeah. You know. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really glad you suggested this movie. I, w- I it's not that I would have never checked it out. I just wasn't aware it existed. And then I looked up lists of Halloween movies, and no one's ever brought it up. It just really seems like it came and went. Yeah, I mean, I think which is insane. <laughs> Like, I don't think Shout Factory did a single bit of PR for this movie when it came out because Modern Horrors existed in 2015. And, like, I never heard of, like, I've never even heard of anyone else mention it and me giving me an opportunity to ignore it. Like, I've never heard this mentioned anywhere. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you guys dug it. It's a, it's a weird pick for Shout Factory, too, because they're the ones who, like, I, they cause a lot of the, oh, wait, 
this movie that everyone's canonically said was bad is actually good <laughs> on Twitter. Like that, it didn't work for Texas Chainsaw: The Next Generation, which I'll for like I'll, I'll give it a pass, even though that movie's fucking dope. <laughs> but it worked on like The Exorcist three. It worked with uh, Halloween three for sure. That movie's renaissance definitely came from the Scream Factory release. And I, I feel like they just relied on that word of mouth they usually get from film writers, and it just didn't pay off from them. I mean, it just kind of goes to show you, man, like uh, Shout Factor, I think their audience, I might take some shots for this, but like I think their audience is more into their nostalgia than they are finding new and, and cool things. And like they released this new and cool thing, and no one gave a shit because it wasn't a fucking Critters you know, box set or some shit. You know? like, <laughs> I mean, people just don't respond the same way to new things. Right. And that's probably why they don't distribute a lot of new movies anymore. <laughs> They're like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we'll let IFC Midnight do it or like RLJ. <laughs> and, and side note, it is very bizarre, George. I, I said I was going to look this up last week. IFC Midnight is owned by uh, AMC, mm-hmm. like networks, the same owners of Shudder. Okay. But Hulu has a deal with IFC to release their movies, not Shudder. Yeah, it's weird since those would be right at home at Shudder. Like, can you imagine how much stronger Shudder's catalog would be if it had every ifc midnight movie yeah like the wretched can you imagine how well that would play or luke have you seen uh this little movie that came out last year called trick uh no i, have, I haven't seen trick before i, I get on that uh, something <laughs> interesting about that relationship uh, of of companies i was talking okay. to aaron b Koontz who did a scare package recently and he's got the pale door coming out soon and uh, we were incredible we were talking movie. about um these relationships between like Shutter and AMC and I think they're uh, IFC Midnight and they roll up into NBC uh, Universal in some kind of way, but they actually all bid for his newest movie, The Pale Door. There was like a bidding war between companies who are all owned by the same parent company, which is really fucking <laughs> weird. Yeah, I wonder how that works. Like IFC Midnight rarely misses for me. The rare exception lately was the uh, what was that movie called? The Rental. That one Ooh, didn't land for me. All. I was like, ah, this doesn't really feel like a yeah, that didn't nah, land for man. you either. I, everyone we've talked to about it doesn't like it, but I feel like it got so much press. Yeah, because Dan, uh, Dan Stevens, I mean, the cast was fucking incredible, man. You got a Franco in the headline. Like, on paper, that movie should have kicked ass. Uh, and I think that's why everyone got excited. And there's there's a good movie in there, I thought. If they even attempted to, like, make a horror movie out of it, it, it would have been great. Like, the character drama that was in, I was into all of that stuff. But by the time they wanted to be a horror movie, they just gave up and went home. It was weird. Damn, yeah, that's exactly what we said two weeks ago. But uh, that that's basically all I've got on Gravy. I'm really happy you suggested it, and you were a, su- a successful pilot for my new idea, which is every guest that comes on to the full show has to bring a Halloween-y movie because nice. this, this went perfect where I saw something I never would have seen even though it was set on Halloween. Like, I was positive, absolutely positive, that me and by proxy George, because I bug him so much about this <laughs> shit, have seen every movie that's set on Halloween. But no especially the good ones right yeah right like trick oh, man and I'll, I'll always go to bat for trick yeah i still haven't seen it yet i i was interested in seeing it to be fair because the my bloody valentine director right yes patrick lessier editor of every good west craven movie directs it you got todd farmer writing it who went from homeless after uh fucking drive angry he was homeless comes back and does trick and puts everything he has in this movie he's like i don't give a fuck what our budget is and it ends up not really helping the movie that he's so yeah. ambitious, but I respect him for it. And then you've got Gary J. Tunicliffe, the best effects guy who's been put on the worst Absolutely. movies over his career doing the practical effects. It's like a dream team of a horror movie. I don't know what 
crawled up every critic's ass when this movie came out but i loved it and i'm so glad we revisited it i think this is the third week in a row we brought it up but i think okay. you're really gonna like watch it because you're into the gore slashers watch it. and we'll if you watch it, we'll we'll do an emergency Luke segment. Where we, where we talk to you. Just about pre-record tricks. a hot take and send I, it I, in. I'll tag it on the end. Yeah, that's fine. We'll play it because we gotta we gotta spread the word of trick. But yeah, I, th- I thank think you it's so a new much. gimmick now that we have to mention trick oh, yeah. in every episode. Dude, we're on we're on three weeks in a row, and Patrick followed me on Instagram, so I'm Ooh. I'm gonna work that connection and say hey come on my podcast and talk about trick <laughs> this is not irony i really enjoyed the movie because i feel like <laughs> so you're the only dude that was, was ever going to say that so he's probably going to say yes yeah, yeah. he would love to talk about trick i'm sure i hope so so yeah thanks so much for coming on the show luke i really appreciate it this was like a long time in the making because when i was thinking of doing this podcast with george you really helped me get it up and running you like helped me with the format you helped me with uh, the equipment to use to start it out with like hosting all that stuff so it's nice to have you on the show because you helped get it started. Cool, man. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And again, like if I can go down as as being known for anything, it's just being a helpful dude. So uh, glad to hear that. Glad you liked the movie. Uh, if any of you listening uh, had any sort of joy out of listening to me speak, uh, by all means, listen to the Modern Horrors podcast. You can subscribe to it anywhere that you subscribe to podcasts. Yeah, where else should we find you on the internet? Um, I mean, mainly at Modern Horrors on everything. Uh, we're most active on Twitter, probably. Uh, so at Modern Horrors there. And then I'm at I'm Luke Rodriguez. So and that's pretty much everywhere as well. The Modern Horrors account. Do you run it? Like- yeah, for the most part. There's like three or four of us that have their credentials on there. Uh, so like every once in a while, uh, someone else will pop something on there. But if this if it's a hot take, uh, it's probably coming from me. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So I saw your Mortal Shell one today where you were like, Let's let's get more uh, games that are 15 hours long and a little easier. And I was like, God, I'm here for that. I love that. Dude, that game kicks ass. I don't know if you're if, if you're contemplating it or not, but it's it's pretty cool. It is right in front of me, downloaded <laughs> on the app. <laughs> nice. Been waiting all day to play it. Uh, but yeah, everyone definitely listen to the Modern Horrors podcast. Check that show out. Follow Luke. Follow Modern Horrors. We'll see you next week. George, you got any closing words here? No, I think you pretty much covered it. Bye. <laughs>